Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. All right, we're getting a couple of topics in here that are floating to the top. Again, if you have an extra minute and you want to throw anything in there, go for it. Uh, but I think we're going to go with the, the top question right now, which is um, perfect. Uh, a great actionable one for customers that are harsh or rude. How do you handle these as CSMs? Do you get any support from your manager or leadership team? So um, just a reminder, press your participant window. In the bottom right hand corner, there should be a uh, raise hand feature. So if you have thoughts that you want to chime in with, um, help answer the question, give your thoughts, how you might uh, handle the situation, go ahead and just raise your hand. Uh, we'll start going around in an orderly fashion. If no hands are raised, uh, I'm going to start calling on people homeroom style. Uh, so be prepared. We like to make sure everybody here is uh, active participant. So again, kind of for customers that are harsh or rude, how do you handle these as CSMs? Um, do you get any support from your manager or leadership team? Looks like uh, Gabriel, you had your hand raised. What are your what are your, some of your thoughts here uh, that can be helpful? I try to listen in these sessions, but that one related too much to me. Um, so uh, I, we, are an, we are a Medicaid benefit, which means that people have to use us. They don't, they don't have an alternative option. Um, and so that means that whether they love us or they hate us, they have to use us. So I get angry and upset people. All, I was pretty much hired to manage the angry people. Um, and... Uh, so what I what I've come up with is that one I I, I whatever the, the issue I have to let them vent. So we start off the call, and if they have to vent and get it off their chest, I let them do that. I acknowledge the issues that they're having, and I even like I show them that I'm on their side. So you know this will vary on the industry that you're in, but I show them my my job is to make sure that your life is easier, you know, and that makes my life easier. And you know I kind of verbally state that I am, I'm there for them and that I am, I agree with a lot of what they're saying and maybe I disagree with some things. And then I always seek, seek for quick wins. So within a two week time frame, I have a meet internally with our team and I'm like, I need one win here. And, you know, again, this will vary depending on the kind of work that you guys do. We do NEMT, which is non-emergency medical transportation. But I was like, okay, with this patient that is high profile, we need to get a win this week. You know, this dialysis appointment or whatever it may be, we got to make sure it goes smoothly. And so that it might not be that I'm resolving all their issues, but I show them these are, and I, and I share best practices usually. So we'll be like, okay, I hear your issues. Let's go over some of the best practices that could resolve this. And then I'm going to focus on my end on making sure that we get a quick win in the next two weeks so that it shows them that even though there's issues, there's someone here that's listening and that we are trying to find a, a resolution. And that there's someone that's willing to listen to them vent, which many times people have thanked me for. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, that's what I do. It's not super magical, but it, it works. Yeah. I mean, I think just being an active listener is one of the, the first key things, right? I think a lot of times we listen to respond. Um, it's just in our nature, right? One of our first things is we always, when that person's talking, you're generally forming your next point, right? And so thinking about how do I actually not start forming my next point? How do I actually just internalize what they're saying, empathize with it, just be an active listener. Um, and then solution together, I think is a good one um, to think about as well. You know, I, don't, I think to your point, Gabriel, right? It's not all on them. It's not all on us. Like there has to be some active collaboration and participation there um, that we hit on. So I appreciate it. Appreciate that, um, Gabriel. Julie Pine Parker, I'm going to call on you for a minute because I loved your what you had put in the chat window. So I don't know if you mind coming off of mute real quick and maybe just kind of mention this. It seems just like a pretty simple, straightforward uh, kind of framework that you use. Uh, hopefully you're still here and didn't yeah. drop off. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> um, well, I started my career in, in hospitality operations. And so there's a lot of people that get really unhappy when they're traveling, unfortunately. So you really learn how to deal with some of the people that are throwing objections at you in a very emotional way. Um, and really, it is like what Gabriel says, is you got to let them vent and you got to kind of empathize and nod along. 
Um, and then it's, it's also good to seek understanding of what they're actually angry about um, and repeat their objection back to them. Because sometimes if they hear it coming back, you say like, oh, so, so I understand you're angry about, you know, A, B, and C, then they kind of hear it in their own words. And you can kind of clarify what they're upset about, where the miscommunication or mishandling has happened. And then you can move forward with the solution um, and getting them through that initial emotional onset. So that's yeah. how I find usually works. works I love best. that. Yeah, Just definitely. Take a deep breath, being patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's generally you have to come to ten every once in a while. Um, and I like that. There's yeah, usually there's a couple of techniques that one reminds me of, like mirroring. Um, when you start thinking about some of the Chris Voss techniques, if you've ever read that book, but um, you know, mirroring back to them um, and saying it in words that hopefully they'll understand. But at the same time, it, it helps them kind of make sure that you heard what they were saying. So I like that a lot. Uh, so appreciate that, Julie. Uh, Mike True, looks like you've got your hand raised. Do you mind coming off mute? Maybe giving us some of your thoughts here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, nothing earth shattering that wasn't already said, but yeah, I do think the main thing is just to really listen and make sure that you can, I'm pretty good at empathizing with people. And so I just really try to empathize and I work in the agriculture space. So a lot of times the uh, objections I get are, you know, farmers are using our software and they're having an issue, whether it's getting an alert that they're supposed to get, or uh, if they have a weather station through us, the weather isn't reporting correctly, or they're just questioning that. So it's, it's just trying to really understand the time of year that they're in, it's very cyclical with farming and it's, you know, planting to harvest. So what, what's going on in their space and just trying to really empathize with them. And um, with my space, it's all about how quickly can I get this resolved or just show that I care like, Hey, I'm going to get this resolved. I'm going to work on this right away and get it to the proper channels and then follow up with them on a very timely manner. And if you, I feel like if I can do those things um, 90 to 95% of the time, it can get resolved and, you get a happy customer. So that's kind of the approach I take. Yeah. Appreciate that, Mike. And I think one thing that is, that just reminded me of as well is the whole, the communication piece, right? I think that more than anything, customers just want you to communicate. And so if we do have to go out of that call into it, you know, we have to go find a resolution behind the scenes, just making sure that we're following up and communicating. I think that is kind of the number one thing that we always think about is um, the customer just doesn't appreciate when you go silent because they don't know what right. you're doing behind the scenes. They don't know what's happening. Right. And so that just reminded me of that. Mike is just trying to stay on top of, Hey, if we are going you know, to another team, if we're going you know, to get a resolution somewhere else in the business, or even if I have to go research something, I'm making sure to communicate that and trying to give deadlines of when I'm going to follow up, uh, when they can expect to hear from me. And so just being clear on that, I think is just a huge aspect of uh, when we're thinking about some of this objection handling uh, that you might go through. So appreciate that, Mike. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Awesome. Corinne, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts uh, here to, to share with the group? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, so something that was on my mind, I think that I've tended to face at various points in my career, but either if you're early on in your career or you're new to, let's say, the customer success world, um, or you're just dealing with a different um, cultural context, like you have a customer in a different you know, region of the world, or you're not familiar um, with the way that they communicate, I think um, if you're if there is a situation where you have a customer who's being rude or aggressive um, over a long period of time, um, what's worked for me is to introduce um, the someone from our leadership team as effectively the executive sponsor or the point of escalation. Um, and that tends to um, create a model where you have this executive level person who is sort of the um, recipient of some of that escalation, uh, while you can then focus on rebuilding the relationship and you're sort of removing um, those two um, sort of communication channels. Um, and that's helped to sort of rebalance 
um, the dynamic between, let's say, myself as a CSM and the customer. Um, and then slowly over time, that person can take a step back. Um, but I found that to be particularly helpful um, if you're dealing with a challenging customer over a longer period of time. Yeah, that's great, Corinne. One, one follow-up for you too. How do you, um, is there a way right now when you judge or uh, I would imagine right now that is there any sort of structure when you think about bringing in that executive? Is there a certain criteria that the customer has to meet or uh, does it reach a certain point where you're just like, all right, I need to kind of fill in the executive sponsor and bring them into this conversation? Like, How do you determine that point um, from your standpoint? Yeah, that's a really great a great point. Um, I think if you have a high value customer that's materially important to the business, um, then there are instances where let's say your internal leadership team right would be more inclined to give you an executive sponsor whereas if it's a low value account they might not be um that's something that i think our team is probably still grappling with but i'd say if you are in a situation where it is a lower value account but there's a risk of like you know non-renewal um, or really material damage to the relationship then in my experience we would involve an executive sponsor right away but they'd be involved for a period of time and you'd set that expectation with the customer like this person is coming in temporarily um, whereas if you have a high value account um, there's more inclination i would think from a leadership team to bring in an executive sponsor over the longer term yeah, I love love those two points that you just mentioned. Um, you know, what comes to mind for me is is making sure again to kind of uh, set the expectation. So, is this a, you know is this executive sponsor coming in for a temporary period of time? Are they staying on the account more of like an account team model, right? So again, just being clear with the the customer about um, how we're how we're kind of engaging and, and seeking to do that. The other thing um, which I thought was really interesting that you had mentioned as well is also the fact that uh, making sure we're uh, kind of thinking about solutions and like what the what the outcome is that we really want from these accounts. You know, they're going to focus on problems. They're going to focus on things that are going wrong, but trying to again re reestablish like where is this relationship going? Where did we want it to go? Why isn't it getting there? Um, and trying to focus back on the big picture as you bring in that executive sponsor, I think is another um, another good one to think about as well. So appreciate that, Corinne. Uh, awesome. We've got two more, and then we'll hit on the next question. So Jeremy, what what are some of your thoughts here that you wanted to add? Yeah, so I was actually reading through the chat and there, there were, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that was asking about like just outright uh, abusive customers, not just those who are upset or, or mad about something, but those who actually are, are just straight up belligerent um, with you. And I actually have one of these customers that uh, I think we all wish that we didn't have, but uh, kind of got stuck with it. And there is that opportunity to listen. Um, and that you need to lead with that because you may not know that that there could be something that needs to be solved. But um, if a customer is just being straight up abusive with you, there's a, there's a couple things that um, that has worked well um, in, in managing these customers. One is you got to hit it head on with that person um, and don't do it by yourself either. Make sure that you've got a senior leader with you in the room. It, it better yet, if even the senior leader can work with you to address it with that person, it needs to be. But in addition, that customer's senior leadership needs to know the behavior of their own, their employees and know that that is not going to be acceptable. Um, I've worked on both sides where my leadership has supported addressing it, and I've worked for leadership that has said customer is king and it doesn't matter how they act. Um, and, and when you work in the situation where your leadership isn't going to support you, I would actually recommend that you go find a job somewhere else. Um, but if that's not possible, um, then stand up for yourself. Don't take the abuse uh, from the customer. It's not okay. You wouldn't let somebody abuse you if you're walking down the street. Uh, what, why is it any different uh, working with a customer? I think we often get scared of they're paying us money and therefore the company is paying me to have this job. Um, and sometimes uh, there is a moment. There's a moment to listen, and there is a moment to take action. And that's that's really what I what I would like to share from personal experience is that um, you need to listen. But when that listening turns to abuse, that's when you need to take action. And, and the key point is don't 
do it by yourself. Um, if you do it by yourself, then you live and die by that. And it's your word versus their word, but you bring somebody in who sees the abuse and is aware of the abuse, um, then, then it doesn't live or die on your shoulders. So, um, but some of the other feedback that people have been sharing in the chat too has been really helpful as well. And I agree with all that as well. Awesome. Jamie, I think you just hit that one on the nail on the head. Uh, so appreciate that. That's, and I think the other, the other thing just to add on to that too, right, is, um, a lot of times as, as CSMs, as individual contributors, we want to be, we want to kind of, um, be able to handle all these things by ourselves a lot of times, right? We, we, I think one of the great, uh, things I've always thought about CSMs is we're very resourceful. Uh, we're, we're able to go find answers. We're able to go source things where we need to, but there's also a time and a place where asking for help is a good thing. Um, and so I think to Jeremy's point, you know, just finding that, that right type of leadership within your organization who can, who can, you can reach out to and do that. Um, so love that, Jeremy. That one is going to be good as we uh, put that out there. It's going to be great. Um, Bertle, let's hit on you and then we'll move on to the next question here. Sure. I'm going to try to make it uh, short to jump to the next uh, question. Um, it's a personal uh, experience that I had with a very demanding client. Um, I agree with what has been said. We acknowledge we um, moved to uh, move up the ladder internally. But um, what happened to me is... I spoke with my manager and my manager's manager, and I came up with an idea. I didn't come to them internally to say what I should do, what are the next steps, what will you be doing? I came up with a plan, uh, with the history. This is what happened with this client. We're here to be at our client service, but we're not here to serve them. Like We need a little respect. And as Jeremy said, if your company thinks that the client has all the right, the client is right, it's time for you to find another job. So what happened with this specific uh, client? We, um, I draft a, a very strict email uh, acknowledging everything that has been done, that the mistake we have made, uh, what has been sold to him, but essentially gather everyone feedback and say, this is how we can collaborate. And this is what our partnership is about. I CC my manager, my manager's manager, and I CC this the client's manager. And without pointing fingers, I'd say, I'm happy to schedule a conversation with your manager, yourself, and include my managers to, to make things balanced and to reset the partnership uh, from next week. And what happened is just by the fact that I've included her manager, um, yes, uh, and uh, his manager, who was a woman, and my manager, who is a woman, um, we were able to set things up and he didn't feel comfortable having this conversation with his manager and mine. And so we, re we had a one-on-one, we reset expectation and I said, your license expires in two months. We have two months to provide value. If after two months, you still don't see any value, you don't, we don't renew and we move forward our separate ways. And we were able to secure the, this business and change the seat holder. Well, I like that. I like that ending there, um, Bertel. I'm sure it took a lot of a lot, a lot of uh, force to get there, but um, I appreciate that uh, real life example that you had to go through and thinking about just the right people to bring into the conversation. How do you level it out? I like the way you, you kind of put that, right? Just making sure that the person doesn't feel cornered. You don't feel cornered, right? You just level the playing field, bring in the right parties. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, awesome. Well, I think we touched on that question quite a bit and got a few things out there. So hopefully that was helpful to whoever threw that into the Slido. Um, next question we're going to hit on is customers not taking advantage of free training resources, thus product adoption suffers. So um, I love this one. This is, uh, I think, something that everyone struggles with, right? There's always going to be free resources that you have, uh, yet the customer never really seems to find them. And, uh, you know, then they're asking you to do things that maybe training should do. They, should, they could go learn. Um, so how would you start thinking about addressing some of this situation? Again, kind of what is the, the customer is not taking advantage of free training resources, thus product adoption is suffering. So how are you thinking about addressing this um, with your team, with you yourself, with their teams, uh, as you start thinking about some of the, the customer success 
managers. Uh, but Patricia, it looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Hi, everyone. Um, so I think um, it's it's the famous, you can uh, take a horse to water, isn't it? So <laughs> the way um, we like to address it um, and the way I like to address it is, so I deliver training as well um, when we are you know, in the onboarding phase. So um, what I do is when we get towards the end of the training, I open the resource and I will show the client, you know, this is where you can find the information. This is, you know, the tutorial you can you can follow to support you. And I will gladly share those links with you. So I, you know, on my email to say thank you for your time. Let me know if there's any questions. All of that. I I always um, make sure I include the links that are relevant to the client. And then if they still insist to come back and say, you know, oh, it's not there or something along those lines, I will go on a call and politely say, oh as per the article that I referenced, you know, it's here. So, you know, take take a minute to look at the resources you were sent before we have to engage in these type of calls. And in time, I think it's all an education process. So, you know, the minute that expectations are set from from the training, um, from, from their training session, and they can see that the information is there, it's just a matter of being able to, to use the resources, then yeah, they're generally fine. And I don't get any, you know, major issues. Yeah. That's great. There's a, a couple of things that makes me think about too. Um, one is even just going to your own training resources and looking at the friction that might be the friction that might exist in that experience. Um, so first, even just thinking about like, how are we asking them to go do it? So I love Patricia, right? We're sending them links to articles or sending them kind of directly to the spot that they need to go. Um, but also thinking about if I'm a new customer and I log in, you know, where is the help center? How do I get there? Uh, what's that experience like? Go start even just playing around that with that yourself. Uh, and in a good way, I think that helps to create some of the dialogue you need to you need to think about internally. Like, man, we really create barriers of entry for our customers to go in and get to our support or, or academy or wherever it might be, right? Um, and sometimes what you might find is that there's some internal uh, internal systems that are trying to play with one another that create that friction. Uh, I'm speaking from personal experience here, uh, so that's why I'm selling. That's why I'm saying, hey, maybe go ask the question internally as well because. Uh, as easy as you might think it is for the customer, I guarantee you it's twice as hard as it needs to be because of some internal functions or internal systems that we're trying to connect on our end. And think about that from the customer experience side, right? They don't really care about these systems interacting with one another. They care about their experience, how they're going to get there, how they're going to find it. Uh, so I think that's one thing that you just triggered for me as well, Patricia. I love the idea though of like, we need to be pointing them directly to where these things are and just always reinforcing, always driving back value of, hey, I'm happy to help you with this, but this also lives right here. And like every time you can do that and draw that back, hopefully it starts to paint that picture. They can go find that resource um, elsewhere. If they just do, you know, if they go to the resource center, find the, find the article they need, things like that. So, um, but I love that Patricia, just making sure to reinforce getting them back into that area where, where it's going to be applicable. Just one more thing, if I may. Uh, yeah. just, so one thing that we also like to do is um, sometimes close that gap because you know we are talking about a third, part, uh, third party product in our case. So sometimes, just to give you an example, um, I deal with a lot of uh, WebEx products. So there are lots of WebEx platforms. So you know the first thing I did was take a step back. How am I going to help my clients understand that this is the situation they have? Therefore, this is the platform they have to use. They don't have to look at okay, this is the platform I need to adjust my situation. It's the other way around. The technology works for them. So there is another thing is to produce internal documentation that will help your client close that gap and then work with their, um, with our point of contact. So they 
internally they create the point of access for those documents so that we don't have to send out an email every every time someone comes to us and asks for a question so that when someone says oh i don't know how do i decide which platform i need to engage with i'll just say okay this person has created a space internally where you can have all these documents and then just make sure that as documents are created to support the use cases they are all stored in the same uh, space and that everyone is made aware that the resources are there should they need them yeah again i love that too right thinking about how do you start combing the knowledge internally so that you guys are starting to think about all these things that are bubbling up. I think that also helps as you start potentially thinking about bugs that you're encountering that you need to go over to product team, right? How do we start sourcing those as a group together to make our story and our, our voice more powerful as we go into some of these other parts of the organization? Um, so I love that. That's a great one, uh, Patricia. Uh, John, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts uh, here? Yeah, so there's two things I think about anytime someone's not training or, or onboarding properly, right? Um, and getting educated about, about the solution. The first one is motivation, right? What's what's their motivation? Do they have motivation? And I try to bring it back to the why, right? I always question myself in the scenarios of, does this person actually understand the why we're doing this, right? Um, or were they just given this task? And more often than not, I'm in a situation a lot where executives pass this off to someone else and they, they have to go, uh, that someone else then gets this dumped on them with very little information handed off. Right. So that's that's the first thing I always check on is, is motivation. And do they understand the why? The second is always, how does this person learn? And are we delivering uh, the training materials in a way that will enable them to learn effectively? Right. So myself, I'm an experiential learner. Part of my pronunciation, but <laughs> right, I, I'm I'm I've got to do the task myself. I have to have, be in an environment. I have to go do it to learn. Right. Docs are great, but some people are audiovisual learners, right? So maybe it's replace docs with a video, right? And those are the things I always think about. Like, do I really know how this person's learning? What resources do I have? And do I have it in a format that will work for them? And as we're developing stuff, we're all, I'm always trying to hit all three of those where there's some, you know, experience they can go through, achieve these tasks with a little gamification to motivate those types of people, right? The yeah. docs, the docs are always there. And then, do we have to then also extend to some sort of video and, you know, video with a quiz or audio video vlog or podcast or something um, to, to help with the learning there. But those, yeah, that's my approach to it. I love it. Those are great, John. And uh, I'll echo that second point to meeting the customer where they are, how they learn, uh, give them multiple mediums as well. And then also thinking about even uh, like, why not open up an office hours format, right? Where they get to learn from other customers. Maybe you bring customers together and they're answering each other's questions and that feels more comfortable than them asking us uh, and trying to get through training. Like, so there's different, I think we have to start thinking about training and enablement as starting to grow beyond just some online platforms as it's originally been thought about. Uh, we've got new mediums, we have different formats. Uh, I love the way you introduce podcasts as well, right? Like this can be, these can be things that you can stand up very quickly uh, that hopefully get to the meat of those. So I know uh, Kevin and Matt, you have your hands raised, but I'm going to move on to the next question just because I want to get through two more. Uh, so I'm hoping that you guys have some insights on the next one. I think you will, uh, especially you, Kevin, I know. Um, when, when bugs bring you down, uh, how do you help yourself and your team stay positive? So uh, Jessica, I appreciated this question. Uh, you know, I think this is something that's always a challenge uh, and I'm glad to see Kevin and Matt just raise their hands really quickly uh, to get back to this. But Jessica, before they jump in, any anything come to mind, any context uh, that you want to help provide here or is it pretty straightforward what we have here? Uh, pretty straightforward. I'll add a little bit. I just have a team member who was working on a new feature with a client and of course it didn't work exactly correctly. And now she is like, every time the subject comes up, it, it's bringing up all those awful feelings of not being able to fulfill her job how she wanted to, but it has nothing to do with her. It's a bug. And um, I keep telling her we're in software. It's not if there will be another bug, it's when. 
um, but it hasn't really sunk in yet. So I'm just reaching out for other ideas. Awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, Kevin, let's go with you first and uh, put some of your, your thoughts out there to help Jessica and her teammate. Well, Jessica, you already hit it on the head. Um, the first thing that we as CSMs need to do is stop blaming ourselves for, for bugs. Um, it, it is going to happen and it, in, in software, it, it's inevitable. Uh, so that, that's the first thing. And I know I'm guilty of it myself too, where I really um, at, at times think to myself, man, it would be so much easier if this would work as, as promised. Uh, but that it's, it, it's not a perfect world uh, when it comes to uh, software. So that's the first thing that we, um, we need to get kind of get out of our fields first before we can actually start to look for uh, some opportunities. So the other things that uh, we've been able to accomplish uh, when we have these bugs is to look for appropriate workarounds um, and uh, look for even outside of our own um, solutions, we, we need to be able to find a, uh, an appropriate workaround if we need to bring in another uh, company that works uh, really well with us. And that's something that we can leverage to really help out customers. Awesome. I appreciate that, Kevin. I love the, um, the point that you made too, right? That we, as we start thinking about uh, some of these workarounds and solutions, you know, we also just need to be communicating with the customer. I, I think throughout this, um, you know, Jessica and, and trying to find the other thing I would say too, is asking other CSMs about this potential bug or issue you've been having um, and trying to understand how big of a situation that really is, right? You might find, or she might find, or he might find, um, whoever your teammate is, might find that there is, um, this is happening in tons of areas, right? This is happening across multiple customers. And this is actually something we need to get product to address um, quicker rather than later. And so I think making sure you have the right channels to bubble that up. Um, and think through that is going to um, going to help in that situation as well. Um, Matt, we'll go to you, and then I've got uh, Diana after that, and then Scott, and we'll uh, we'll try and hit on all three of you. Yeah, and uh, thanks for bringing up those points, Kevin. It's absolutely essential to you know let's put ourselves in the place of the CSM to know, hey, it's not us, it's product, it's made up software, things happen. Um, you know, next follow up that I always wanted to lead off with, and all the product teams I've ever dealt with is hope that they're not echoing the sentiment. Uh, it's not a bug, it's a feature. <laughs> I find that when they're bringing that up, it's, yeah, this is going to be a lower priority or just something that it is, and this is how it developed. And, uh, you know, it's really clear, uh, it's it really keen to get that clear messaging from your clients, your client base even. Um, hey, this is negatively affecting workflow. This is something that needs to be addressed. Um, you know, definitely understanding priorities with the product team. You know, speaking product language, they're into priorities, they're into workflows, and knowing what their workflow is, knowing what their priorities are, and really taking the client need and meshing that well with the product language, I think is always, always key. Um, you know, knowing what their task board is, knowing what kind of task board they're even working with. Um, you know, they could be a bevy of different types. So always understanding those things and then properly messaging it to them uh, is really a great thing. And always just coming to some kind of, you know, maybe executive reminder, hey, we're all in this together. We're all here to serve the customers. So yes, you are out there building. We do have people who are having you tasked with building things and improving upon things. However, we're here to serve the customers at the end of the day. And if we're not serving the customers because bugs have arisen, then this is what we need to address in order to keep this as a, a successful service. Yeah. And I think one thing I would, I would uh, change there if you want to get in the good graces of your, uh, of your product and engineering team is to use the word we, right? It's not the product's team fault. This is our, I mean, collectively as a company, this is us, right? So using the word we is going to get some good cred from your product team. Uh, so I think that's the only thing I'd change about what you mentioned, uh, Matt. Uh, Diana, let's it on you. And then Scott, if I have time, I'll try to get to you uh, as well. 
Sure thing. Um, so I 100% agree with Matt around the communication piece. And um, also, Jessica, like you said, like setting the expectation for your teammate. You know, if you are in a SaaS or startup or SaaS startup, then obviously those things are going to happen often and we have to just brace ourselves for it. But I think also communicating on the customers and like having a plan whenever you have a bug. Um, so what does that communication look like? Um, are we gonna talk about like an ETA? Are we gonna talk about, you know, should we communicate proactively with customers that might also be facing this bug so that we avoid them coming to us when they're already angry? Um, I think just figuring out what the plan is once that bug does come up, because it will, um, is also a great way to just get in front of it and have a plan going forward. Yeah, I love it. Scott, how about uh, 60 seconds if you don't mind, and then I'm gonna try and get everybody out right on time. Yeah, I, I'm coming from the perspective of being a former support guy and, and on a product that had over 200 bugs a month or, or, or a quarter. So you, you got to kind of put it in your back of your mind that these things are going to get solved, but really look at where you can add value to the process. Can you find an area that you, you've got somebody baiting a test fix? Can you find a way to get in your bug system uh, a way to measure better who has the bug. All those things help get you forward. And ultimately, you know, their problem gets solved. I love it. Add value to the process. That'll be the quote from today. I appreciate that too. Uh, awesome. Well, I know we always like to end these on time. Sorry to cut you off short, Scott. I'm sure you had some more stuff to add there, but we'll hopefully get you next time. Uh, appreciate everyone joining. Like I said, we do these every Tuesday, 1130 a.m. Eastern. Feel free to send out the invite. We're starting to spread the word, trying to get more people. Uh, if it starts to grow, we'll, we'll, go into, we'll go into breakout rooms. We'll have uh, multiple discussions happening at one time uh, to make it more intimate as we need to. But uh, appreciate all the questions. We'll try and take some of those, throw them into the community. Uh, again, if you want to join our jobs discussion that's on Friday, next Wednesday, we have our CSM or CS office hours discussion. Let me know. Um, but appreciate everyone joining. We'll see you next week. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.